At the end of last year, I said that Virginia would be interesting to watch at the start of the year. I said that, and of course, I was proven right, and then everything else happened. So what else happened at the start of 2020? Again, we're only in February, but yet 2020 has already been packed, chocked full of news. So in January, our the U.S. Embassy was attacked in Baghdad. We had more sanctions in Iran. We did a drone strike on Soleimani. The Virginia Second Amendment protests... Iran shot down a Ukrainian plane. The Teal volcano eruption. The Novo coronavirus has started to spread across the globe. Kobe Bryant died with his daughter in a helicopter crash, which is sad. Australia is burning up. Trump impeachment trials got underway in the Senate. Flash floods in Jakarta killed at least, at least 21 people. A magnitude 5.8 earthquake struck Puerto Rico. And that's just the big newsworthy items. There's a whole list of other things that happened that is linked down below in a Wikipedia article, and it is extensive. I was scrolling through it, and I was like, wow, this is only January 1st, 2020. If I went through that list, I would spend a good 30 minutes reading over the news and noteworthy items from the just the first 30 or so days of the year. So if you are interested to see what those are, go ahead and scroll down to the description area and you can see a link to Wikipedia and you can look that up to see what has happened in the news in the first month of 2020. Now, that being said, if you actually read the newspaper, you would think only one thing has happened in 2020. Well, two things, really. The Trump impeachment and Brexit. Now, granted, this was a big thing. Now, breakups are never easy. In fact, they are some of the most heart-wrenching things a person could go through. And sometimes it may take years for a person to recover. It is bad enough when it's two people breaking up. But when entire countries tell each other, it's not you, it's me, it'll be necessary to have more than 50 ways to say goodbye. Now, if you don't get what I'm saying there, if you're not familiar with that song, yes, it is a slightly older song. I have a link to the YouTube channel for Train below and their song, 50 Ways to Say Goodbye. Might as well listen to it. It's entertaining. It's fun. It has a mariachi band combined with Train. How could you not enjoy that? And some weird ways of um, a guy telling other people that his girlfriend died because he didn't want to tell them that they broke up. But anyways, that's what it's like. Brexit's like a couple breaking up. So on January 3rd, 31st, 11 p.m. local time, and that's local to London, History was made. The vote that took place on June 23rd, 2016, finally came to fruition. The UK officially left the European Union and Brexit is complete, except for the portions of Brexit that are still ongoing. Now, you didn't hear that wrong. The UK is no longer a part of the European Union, which was a status they held for over 30 years. And if future politicians in the UK want to rejoin the EU, they will be required to apply for membership just like anyone else. In other words, they don't get any backsies just because they were a former member. The the UK and the EU have now entered into what's called a transition period. And the shortest that this will last is until December 31st, 2020. Now, if the UK wants to extend the negotiation period, they need to notify the EU by June of this year. They unfortunately cannot keep negotiating until December 30th, and then at the last minute, decide to extend the timeline. The rules in the document state specifically that the timeline can be extended with 
one time only for two years, putting the deadline of all negotiations to December 31st, 2022, with no further opportunities to extend the timeline. During this time, the UK will still follow the laws of the EU, but since they are no longer a member of the EU, they will not have any input as to how these laws are written and enforced and implemented. And these laws will continue to be in effect until the separation details are negotiated and finalized between the two parties fully. Now that the UK is on its own in its own separate country, they need to discuss with their neighbors in the EU many items which are important to all parties involved. These include trade, access to the various waters specifically for fishing, cooperation of law enforcement between the EU and the UK, data collection. The EU has some of the strictest restrictions on data that can be collected on individuals while using the web, by the way, in case you weren't aware of that. They also need to negotiate on banking, customs, borders between the country, specifically Ireland and Northern Ireland, since they share the same landmass, but yet are two different countries with Ireland staying in the EU and Northern Ireland leaving with the UK as part of the Brexit deal. Now, it actually turns out that fishing may be a big negotiating point from both the UK and the EU perspectives, and it could potentially turn out to be one of the biggest indicators of how well the rest of the the negotiations will go. To put how important it is to the EU in perspective, the EU fishing fleet catches about 6 million tons of fish a year. And of that 6 million tons, about 700,000 comes from the UK waters. The UK waters provide the second largest amount of fish from any, any one country's waters. Now, this has been a pain point for the fishers in the UK, according to an article from The Guardian, as fishers from other countries other than the UK take a much larger proportion of fish from the UK waters than native UKers. To be clear, the UK still employs a decent number of people in the fishing industry. They employ close to 11,000 people, and that contributes only about a billion pounds to the UK economy. And they did mention that this provides just a small amount. But the EU as a whole employs close to 141,000 people in the fishing industry at large. So this is very important to the EU and the other states of the EU as they will want to continue to be able to access the UK fishing waters. Of course, the EU is already flexing its muscles and signaling that if the UK wants to continue to access the markets of the EU, then the laws of the UK will need to be similar or exactly the same as those in the EU in order for that access to continue. In other words, the EU is making it contingent that if the UK wants to be able to continue to access trade and resources and maybe banking even, that their laws in the UK will need to mirror those of the EU's in order for that access to continue and for the UK to be able to still benefit from them. In other words, the EU is really flexing its muscles and saying, you're going to do what we want, regardless of even the fact that you're your own country or not. Now, one of the big goals of the EU will be to try to prevent the UK from granting tax cuts, looser restrictions, and more to companies which would take their business to the UK. And they don't want the UK to look more lucrative than one of the neighboring EU countries. This fear comes on the heels and is a real big problem for the EU because the UK has already announced that they want to make their own rules and regulations, which will be separate from the EU, which is one of the reasons they wanted to do Brexit to begin with, to attract businesses to the UK. 
And the way they want to do that is, again, the lower taxes, looser restrictions, uh, and various subsidies to these businesses to come. And the EU is afraid that if that happens, some of the companies that are already established in EU markets may decide to move to the UK, where it might be easier for them to do business. Of course, if the UK and the EU are unable to reach an agreement before the end of the negotiation timeline, either that be it end of 2020 or end of 2022, the things turn from unknown to bad for the UK, as they will no longer have any agreements with fellow European countries and their trade falls back to what's called the World Trade Organization rules. Now, these rules impose quotas, tariffs, checks, controls, and procedures at ports of entry. This is not to say that the UK could not, in parallel, negotiate trade terms with other countries that are not under EU jurisdiction, but since the EU is right there, it would be in their best interest to do so. It does take time for items to get to the UK from other countries such as Canada or the US or Japan or Africa, South America, etc. Because of this, some are trying to stir up fear, saying that if the negotiations fail, it could lead to a shortage of medicine and food. They know that the general population can easily be scared into believing that the basic necessities that they need to live could be in jeopardy and that their children could starve. The main goal of doing this is an attempt to make the general population question if Brexit was really a bad deal for them or not in the long run. And the hope is that they could hopefully drum up support for politicians who would want to rejoin the EU. Although, again, if they do that, they will have to go through the entire join process. They can't just go, oh, we were, we're sorry, we were dumb, we were having a bad year, take us back. They'd have to go through the entire process, and all the EU member states would have to approve their rejoining to the EU. Now, the question of whether or not it is a good or bad thing for the UK to govern themselves again will be determined over the years as they unfold. Now, to be sure, there will be some growing problems as the UK learns to once again operate as an independent country. How this will eventually work out will be to those who write the history books. But I have a feeling, based on how the criticism online, that there's a loud minority group that thinks this is the worst thing since America elected Trump as president in 2016, that at least the initial history books will look at this in a very negative light. Now, 2020, this will be interesting to watch the rest of the year. It's only starting, and yet I feel a large swath of people are already ready for New Year's Eve, ready to sing Auld Lang Syne, and welcome in 2021.